Well, welcome to part three of our series called Detox. This is a series that a lot of churches actually have done around the nation, and we're borrowing this one from Chris Hodges. He's become a spiritual father to us in this house, and I love this series because it's a pivotal series. We're coming out of the summer slump. We have been in 21 days of prayer, which is started last, last Sunday, actually, and many of you got this bracelet when you came in last Sunday. It says, pray first, just as a reminder to pray, and it's been phenomenal. We've done 6 a.m. prayer to start off this last week, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m., and I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Like, I know we live in a commuter city, so I knew a lot of you were gone before 6 and I knew that some of you have never seen 6 a.m. Come on, somebody. So I wasn't sure how it was going to work. We had 120 to 200 people here every day praying. This, this stage was covered with prayer requests, your prayer requests, asking God to meet your need. And we've had so many, so many wins, so many testimonies of God answering prayer this week. I mean, healing in their bodies and, and financial provision and relational reconciliation. So let's continue to pray. We're not doing 6 a.m. prayer for the rest, that was just the first week to kick it off. But I want you to take what you learned there and pray more this week and the next week. And we do have Thursday night prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. I want to encourage all of you to come too. But I feel like we're coming out of a slump. Like a summer slump is sometimes maybe you have started something that you shouldn't have started in the summer. Maybe you stopped doing something you shouldn't have stopped. Well, we're going to come out of that, and we're going into one of the biggest seasons of our church one of the biggest growth seasons, and people are coming back to school and back to routine. And so a lot of people are checking church out. We have more guests come during this next season than ever in the year, and that also equates to more people giving their life to Jesus. So get this, two weeks ago, we had 199 people give their heart to Christ. Last week, 180. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Can we clap our hands and really clap? Come on, this is great news. Like, that's why we're here. And then we had 116 people go through our step one in the growth track. Step two is today at 1015. You can jump in there and we'll give you four new habits. Every Christian needs to to know how to be successful. But I feel like it's good to come out of the summer slump, kind of shake ourselves a little bit and and, and re-aim, refocus a little bit because we get off track. And so this is... This is in our prayer time. I want you to just pray for your family. You, when you came in, you got a, a half sheet that gives you a bunch of ways to pray for family members and friends that don't know God yet. That, how many are believing you, for some friends or family members to come and know God by the end of this year? All right, so let's pray for that and pray that God would give you opportunity to invite them. And after this series, we're going to do a really fun uh, series that you could bring your friends to. and It's, it's going to be uh, a big testimony to the grace and the love of God. But as we look at this stuff, detox is a great message. It's a great title. It just means that you're getting free from the toxins in your body. Okay? It's, it's, it's the doing away of the toxins, the, the, the removal of toxic substances in your body. And it's a little difficult when you detox. Um, my wife, she was a coffee drinker for all of her life. I mean, baby bottle till about 39 years old. And um, she was drinking about four to six cups a day. How many drink coffee? You love coffee? Come on. Give it up for caffeinated drinks, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be in church if there wasn't caffeine. Come on. That's why we give free coffee out there. But she decided during the 21 days of prayer and fasting in January that she was going to give up coffee. That's a big deal. I don't drink coffee. I'm a Christian. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That's a joke. It's a joke. 
But um, I have nothing against coffee. I honestly don't. But she was detoxing, and literally three to four days, she's like sweating and achy body and headaches, and you couldn't have the blinds open. I'm like, girl, you're a drug addict. You need to go through a freedom group. That's what you need to do. It was rough the first three, four days, and then day four, five, she started feeling really good, and now she says, I sleep better, I feel better, and how many know we save hundreds of dollars a year, praise the Lord, instead of going to five bucks. Anyway, so, so I want to encourage you. It's rough. Yes, it's rough. It's rough to detox from anything, but once you get through it, you're going to feel better, and I really want to encourage you to take that step as we do that. We talked about the body, soul, and spirit, because you have all three of those. Your, your body, soul, fle- uh, uh, body is the flesh and blood side of you with its desires and passions, and, and your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And then the spirit side of you is the part of you that's going to live forever. Well, today, we've talked about spirit, we've talked about soul, we've talked about anger and bitterness and all that stuff that creeps in your soul. Today, I want to talk to you about the body. So let's look at our notes, our very first scripture, theme verse for this Entire series of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul is writing, who again was a Christian hater, and God encountered him, and pretty soon this guy would go on to be one of the greatest missionaries this world has ever known. So let's look at the Bible today and see what God says. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Everybody say yoked. Now again, that doesn't mean egg yoked. Uh, that didn't mean that you went to the gym and now that you are yoked. It means closeness, that there was a piece of wood they would put over oxen, And if you had a big ox with a little ox, they were yoked together. Well, the big ox would drag the little one, and the little one would slow down the big one. Sometimes even, I mean, cutting into the neck of the animal, hurting because they were unequally yoked. Well, that word, closeness, koinonia in the Greek, Paul is saying, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's another word for Satan or the devil or demons. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Read this next phrase out loud with me, everybody. For we are the temple of the living God. Now remember, this is an auditorium. This is not the sanctuary. You're the sanctuary. This is not where God wants to live. He wants to live in you. You are the temple of the living God right here in Scripture. And and God is saying you have to be careful with the closeness that you have with other things in the world because... God is saying, you put that in your life, that's where I want to live. The closeness of God in your life is determined by how much room you have in your heart based on your closeness to all this other stuff. So he looks at you and says, you're the temple of the living God. And then he quotes the Bible, the Old Testament, where God tells us, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is huge, that God Almighty wants to be our God. And the next verse says, therefore, since we have these promises. Well, what promises? The promise that God wants to be close. The the promise that God wants to be your God. He wants to be a father to you. And that we can be sons and daughters. Because of that promise, dear friends, here's the prescription. Detox. Underline this phrase, let us. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates both body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So we look at this, and we've looked at detoxing our spirit, detoxing our soul. If you missed that, you can go back and watch the message online. But I want to talk to you 
because you would agree with this statement, we have to watch this stuff because stuff creeps into our life sometimes when we don't even know it. Would you agree with that? Like, I hate going to the dentist. Anybody else? Um, I, I don't hate dentists. We have a lot of dentists and dental assistants in this church. We love you. My teeth, thank you. <clears throat> but I don't like the experience. Here's why. I have probably the worst gag reflex on planet Earth. No, you don't understand. I, I, it is so bad. Like, if I just start thinking about the dentist, I'll start to gag. I'm, I mean, it's bad, bad. I can't have that. You know, the doctor puts the, the, the thing in your throat. The popsicle stick, I can't do it. I can't do it. We go into the dentist, and here's what happens. The dentist sits me down and says, uh, Sean, we're going to have to do some x-rays. And I'm like, can you put me under? Uh, we can't do that, sir. That's just for procedures. Well, this is a procedure, so proceed on. <laughs> no, we can't put you on it. So they put you on this, this, like, this, this table, uh, a chair, and it leans back real slowly And as you're going into your demise, and they put this heavy apron on you. It's like a heavy apron, right? It's, it's not regular. And they say it's just for the radiation. I don't believe that. I think it's heavy because they don't want me running out. <laughs> and then the, ner- the, the nurse or the, uh, the dental assistant comes in, and she has these things, these plastic things she expects me to put in my mouth. Okay, I can't do that. And I explained to her, listen, I, I, I know you probably have seen gag reflexes before, but you've never seen this one. And I just want to let you know, I apologize in advance. And she laughs and says, oh, I've seen a lot. I've been a dental assistant for years. I've seen a lot. No, you don't understand. Okay, so we try it. And, and I say, okay, listen, um, you're going to have to be fast. Because you put that thing in my mouth, and then you go around the corner. I can't have you texting your friends or saying hi to everybody in the office. I need you to press that button as fast as you can. So literally, we, we try, you know, the ones in the back first. That's the worst. And I'm gagging. My mouth's watering. And she runs back there. <clears throat> Can't even think about it. She runs back. She runs back there to press the button. She runs, and I'm I'm literally sitting up, taking, spitting it out of my mouth, and, and spitting on the ground. She's laughing so hard. She, she listen. She we couldn't even get all the X-rays. We had, we got a couple of them in the front. We couldn't get the back ones. She's laughing. She had to leave. She's laughing so hard. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, ta- I try to tell you. She was like, yeah, I thought I saw work bad, but this is the worst I've ever seen. And uh, then the, the dentist comes in, and he's all business, right? He sits down, and now I'm ashamed. He's like, well, we have no x-rays. <laughs> I, I apologize about that, but I trust you. You're a dentist. Can you just look at my teeth, and you tell me if I have a cavity? <laughs> like, that's what you went to dental school, right, for? <laughs> and, then, and then they take that, that hook, and they just start scraping and scraping, and the sound is scraping, and you hear it in your skull. And all the cleaning and the drilling and the drooling, and it's all going down. And they ask you questions while, they, while, while they're, your mouth's open. Now. So how's your dad? Ha, 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 ha. Where do you live? Ha, 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 ha. It's pointless. It really is pointless. Then they say, sir, we're going to have to do a deep cleaning. What does that mean? Well, we're going to have to clean them real deep. Okay, what does that mean? And so they sit me down, and they do this. And it's all in your gums, and it hurts a little bit. But how many know after that deep cleaning, you, your teeth have never felt so smooth? You're talking to people all day long, like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Just came for the dentist. It's awesomely clean, right? You just you can't wait to talk to people because you just feel like your smile's brighter and all day you're just feeling the smoothness. 
after all of that, look at me, look at me. After all that, they expect me to brush my teeth the following day on my own. <laughs> after all that, I mean, I spent an hour and a half in the chair. You want me to, you want me to cleanse my teeth again? Yeah, here's why. Because all the food that we eat, all the sugar bugs, they get let loose in your teeth, and they'll contaminate and build up plaque and cavities if you don't watch it. Jesus comes into our life, and when he comes, he cleanses us. You have never been so clean than at that moment with God. And then we have scriptures like this that at first glance don't make sense. You're like, I thought I was cleansed. And Paul comes around and says, listen, we live in such a contaminated culture. You have to... Every once in a while, you need to purify yourself because we live in a broken world. There's temptations all around. None of us are free from it. You've got you've to stay on top of it because if you're not careful with our free will, we can invite stuff back into our life that would contaminate our body, soul, and spirit again. Is that making sense, everybody? So today, this is what I want to do. I just want to take you through a journey as we, as we unpack this. And, and ma- mainly, you know, we've talked about spirit. We've talked about soul. Many of you guessed we're talking about body today. But when we talk about the body, many of us on, automatically just think, you know, detoxing from alcohol or, or drugs. Well, that includes that, but I want to go a little deeper here and show you that how you treat your body actually affects your soul and your spirit. It actually affects the rest of you. So let's look at it, Romans chapter 7, verse 21. Paul is also writing the book of Romans. He says, so I find this law at work in me. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. Okay, not in your notes, but verse... 15 and 16, a few verses before this portion of Scripture, Paul is frustrated. And you and I can agree with this. He's like, man, stuff I don't want to do, I do. The stuff I want to do, I don't do. How many can testify that's been your story, right? That's mine. He's so frustrated. This is a guy who's written like like one-third of our New Testament. He's planning churches, and he's frustrated at the battle inside of him. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, the waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. That's what it comes down to, that that the devil wants us to be a prisoner of sin. And he says, it's working within me. What a wretched man I am. He's so frustrated with himself. He's like, man, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me? Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Now, if you read on, he gives you the answer. It's Jesus Christ. But But let's unpack that a little bit, okay? Let's unpack this. Because I feel like there's a lot of us here that can relate to that. There's a war raging in our bodies. There's a war raging of desires, of of longing for things. And we want to live this way, but we end up living a life that we don't want to live. And this message is dedicated to everybody and anybody who's ever struggled with wanting to live this way, but we live this way instead. For all of us in the room who knows what that feels like, Paul is here, and he's saying, who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Well, when Jesus delivers us from that, if you can get victory in this area, you're going to experience life in an entirely new way. And and now all of these subjects that we're going to talk about, because each week we talk about different toxins that kind of come into our spirit, our soul. I'm going to talk about some toxins that come into our bodies. And let me just preface by saying this isn't easy. This isn't easy to talk about. It's not fun to talk about. But we have to talk about them because the Bible talks a lot about them. And my job's not, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'm not, I'm not pointing it out in your life to make you feel bad. I really do want us to have some freedom in this area. Now, let me caution you. As we talk about things like this, the devil will come and make you feel shame. Okay, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. When is shame ever okay? 
Never. It's never okay. God doesn't bring shame. We, God and us as the church, we're trying to get shame off of you, okay? So when we talk about this stuff, it's not to bring shame. It's to point it out so that we can have freedom in this area. Matter of fact, Jesus, he, he, he encountered several people on earth during his 33 years on planet, and he, he encountered several people that were struggling in some of these areas we're going to talk about today. He didn't bring shame. He never brought shame to them. He actually did the antithesis. It was the opposite. He showed so much love. And in response to, their mer- to the mercy of God, they left the stuff that was, that was hurting them, and they ran to Jesus. So here's a few things, okay? Here's a few toxins that come into our body. Write this down if you're a note taker. The first one is addiction. Addiction. This is a big one that we all struggle with. And um, you say, well, how do I know if I have an addiction? Okay, here's the definition of addiction. I keep doing something even though I don't want to do it. Okay, that's, that's the definition. We all struggle with this to, to different degrees. It's that area of our life that, that tells us how to live our life. Let me ask you a couple questions. Is there an area in your life where you're working really hard to keep it a secret? Is there an area of your life that you work your schedule around just to be able to do that? Is that area causing you to be isolated from your friends? Could you, over the next six days, stop doing that? That's an addiction. For some of us, it's gambling. Others, it might be lust. Others, it might be overspending or overeating or, or whatever. I mean, the alcohol, drugs, there's a lot that encompasses that, but it affects every single one of us. Romans 6, Paul goes on to say this. He says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it reign in your body. That word, that word reign means don't let sin be in charge of. Don't let sin call the shots in our bodies. He goes on to further elaborate by saying, so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, for rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Like we were dead spiritually, God brought us to life. Let's act like that. Let's live like that and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master. Listen to me, everybody. The the thing when God comes in your life, Jesus broke the power of sin over your life so that sin cannot tell you, it can tell you what to do, but you don't have to listen anymore. That's what freedom, that's where freedom comes in. You are, you're free to live for God now. He says, you're no longer going to be a master because you're not under the law, but you're under the grace of Almighty God. So I believe that when we look at this area, we think, man, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we want to be free. God wants us to be free. And when it comes to this area of addiction in our life, you can literally be free. You're not the only one who's ever struggled. And you won't be the last one who's ever struggled. But I just have some good news today. That that's that Jesus Christ came to set us free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen, everybody. Okay, here's another one. And I promise you, you've never written this word down in your life. You ready for this? Here's another toxin, debauchery. 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 This is another Bible word. That's why we're using it. It's because it's a Bible word. And this is what it writes. Write this down in the side margin of your notes. It's it's letting your, your senses call the shots. It's letting your senses, your feelings call the shots. It's extreme indulgence. In sensuality. That's, that's debauchery. Extreme indulgence in sensuality. Now, let's address this and be really clear because we all are tempted to live based on our feelings, every one of us. And if you're 30 and under, this is probably um, maybe even a bigger 
onslaught against you right now because um, if you're 30 and over, there's a better chance that you grew up with a moral compass, that you grew up with a moral standard, that you grew up with moral convictions. But 30 and under, we live in a, in a generation that is like anything goes right now. It's, it senses all over the place. We live in an emoji generation where wherever, whatever you feel, just, just do that. And um, how many remember President Ronald Reagan? Okay, President Ronald Reagan, during that time, listen, the government was telling us as Americans not to live according to our feelings, but to live according to a moral code. His wife, Nancy Reagan, came out, and she had a campaign. It was anti-drugs, anti-alcohol, and even became a don't-have-sex-before-marriage message, and it was entitled, some of you remember it, just say, just say no. That was the campaign. Okay, that was in a generation where several adults believed that when we're faced with stuff, we shouldn't just live based on our feelings. We ought to have our morals take over, like something inside of us, an absolute, ought to take over. Well, we don't live there anymore. We live in a generation that says, whatever you feel like doing, do that. Just do, it doesn't really matter. Just do that. Can I just tell you and plead with you, please, do not live based on your feelings. If we all did whatever we feel like doing, we're going to be in a world of trouble. Let me, let me prove it. How many by show of hands, show of hands, you, have, you wish you could have gone back in time and changed something that you did based on just because you felt like doing it. Come on, raise it. Okay, that's 100% of us, right? We've all had regret with that. Well, God comes in. He wants to deliver us from that because our goal is not to live a life based on our feelings. It's to live a life based on moral principles and conviction of the word of God. We've been lied to, everybody. In our society, in our inside of our own flesh, the war that's going on in the inside, because debauchery comes and says, you can trust your feelings. And I'm saying, no, don't trust your feelings. Feelings are fickle. Sometimes you feel good. Sometimes you feel bad. And if you do whatever you feel like doing, you're going to end up in trouble. You're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up with a broken marriage and a broken family. We can't just do whatever we want to do. And this is actually what happens. We allow stuff in our life, and it creates this. Let me show you this, Ephesians 5. Paul is writing and he says, don't be drunk with wine. That leads to what? Debauchery. There it is. And then he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. So we have, we have this thing in our culture where, as a matter of fact, you've all seen it. We've all seen somebody who ingests something into their system. And um, they just begin to walk around with no inhibitions. It's like, woo, Whatever. And many times that leads them to dull their senses. I'm just saying we probably shouldn't put stuff in our body that dulls the senses because that makes us make some really bad decisions. Paul says don't, don't do something that destroys your life. And many times we think things, ah, it's just okay, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and everything in moderation. I get that, but what happens is we open up the door to something, and pretty soon when you go through a hard time, guess where you're turning because the door is already open. I'm not saying that having a glass of wine is a sin. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we got to be careful. It's very clear we're not to be drunk with wine. And, and when the door is open in any area, any area, where do you go when you're squeezed? Where do you go when pressure hits? Well, we typically go to what's familiar already. And so my wife and I, we've just chosen never to drink. And um, I know a lot of people that do. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. I'm not condemning you. Some people, a lot of people have a glass of wine with a meal. It's not, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just am saying you got to be really careful with what you ingest and put into your system because you don't want to dull your senses. You don't want to live based on feelings. 
And I'm pleading with you, everybody, don't live based on your feelings. Feelings will lead you astray. I'm just going to follow my heart. No, the Bible says our heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. That's actually the wrong thing. Let's follow the word of God. Can I hear an amen, everybody? We need to have a moral absolute, a moral compass of some sort. Choices lead, feelings follow. Say that with me. Choices lead, feelings follow. One more time. Choices lead, feelings follow. Let's not live based on our feelings. Let's live based on choices. Okay, here's a third one. This is a heavy one. This is a big one. I'll write this down. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. And this is another Bible word. That's why we're using these words. It's debauchery and sec- sexual immorality. You say, well, what does that even mean? Well, it's two words in the English, but it actually is taken from one word in the Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek, and it's taken from one word. See if this word sounds familiar. The Greek word is pornea. It's where we get our word pornography. And it means, it doesn't just mean pornography, it means any sexual sin outside of a marriage that, as God has defined it. Which, by the way, not as government has defined it, as God has defined it between one man and one woman. Now listen, hold on, this is not to pick on any group at all. This is not to pick, because this affects every one of us. There's not one person in here that's not affected by this. Because that means lust, that means pornography, that means sleeping together before you're married. That means living together. That means homosexuality. That's, it's all encompassing. It affects every one of us. And as we talk about stuff like this, please, there's not shame that's putting on people. We're not condemning anybody, making people feel ba- badly about themselves about this. God wants freedom. The devil will try to bring shame. God is saying, I want you whole. I've, I've provided a way to live, and I want you whole. And every one of us is struggling with this, and 1 Corinthians comes along. And, and Paul is writing and he says, he's addressing a culture, which by the way, many people come to us and say, Sean, come on. Seriously, like times have changed. Like it's not what the Bible, back in the Bible days, come on, get with the program. Well, yes, times have changed, but you have to understand, Paul is writing what we're about to read. He's writing this to a city that was filled with sexual immorality. The city was called Corinth. And they actually had, none of us have this in our area, they had a, a church, it was to a false god, a temple, and they had a thousand prostitutes. And how people would come to church and they'd worship their false god is by having sex with prostitutes. So you talk about times of change, yeah, but Corinth. So he's writing this, what I'm about to read, he's writing this into a culture that is heavily into debauchery, into sexual immorality. And he comes along and he says this, do you not know? that your bodies are members of Christ himself? And he's saying, I, I'm saying this because you don't know, but I want to help you, Corinth. Uh, maybe you don't know this right yet. But, but I then, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? So he's talking about sexual immorality. And underline that word unite. Underline that word unite. Because that, that word unite in the Greek means to permanently fuse at the deepest level. To permanently fuse together at the deepest level. So anywhere you see that word in our text here, that's what the word means. He says, shall I unite with a prostitute um, and be one with her in body? For it is said, and then he quotes the Bible from the first mention of sexual, uh, sexuality in the Old Testament, in Genesis. The two shall become one flesh. So the two become one. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him, permanently fused at the deepest level, in spirit. 
And then we go on, well, we'll deal with this next scripture in a minute. So Paul is writing this. He's talking to the people, and he's trying to let them know the same thing that we need to know. Our culture, you'd agree with this, our culture is trying to feed us a line that sex is just an isolated event, that it's recreational, that it doesn't bother you, that it's, it's not, there's nothing, you know, serious about it. You can have sex and move on. You can have sex and move on and, and meet people and just have sex everywhere, and, and it's not a big deal. I want to let you know that's not true because God put something into sex that ties. There's a bond that goes on when two people, husband and wife, have sex. That's why Song of Solomon said, don't awaken love too early. Because the door of sex, once it's open, it was never meant to be closed. It was meant to be open on a wedding night and then just partay. (laughs) But what happens is we open it too early and then we feel guilt and shame and there's remorse and there's a tying and some of you went with them and some of them went with you and now there's a ripping apart of and we do that multiple times with multiple partners and it's, it's destroying our our, our identity, and it's destroying our confidence, it's destroying our relationship with God. And so God puts something into sex that permanently fuses them together. By the way, this was to help all you married folk out. Like this was, this, so that sex is not an isolated event. It's, he put it in there for a reason, so that when you have sex with your, your husband, your wife, there's a permanently, uh, uh, there's something of permanence that comes together and you're united in such a great way. Like, the, the world has taken sex and made it dirty. Sex is a gift from God. Thank you, Jesus, for... But he, he just clearly defined where that's to take place. He said, here's the boundaries of that. I want you to have, have this and explore this and, and appreciate this. That's why we got to keep this part healthy in our marriage. That's why this has got to be healthy, because there's a, perm, there's a uniting that takes place, and, and God put it there. Well, then he quotes this the two will become one flesh thing. And that's reminding us that it's not just physical, it's, it's heavily spiritual. It's heavily emotional. And if you don't believe that, just ask somebody who's ever been raped or abused. They'll tell you it wasn't just physical. It was emotional. It wasn't like somebody just coming up and slapping them in the face. There was something emotional. There's a soul tie there. And I know this is a heavy message, and many of us are like, Sean, this is not good because we've been engaged in this or we're currently engaged in this. What do we do? How many are ready for some good news? Here's the good news. We have a God who is perched, poised, and ready to forgive and give a fresh start. We have a God who's not wanting to point fingers and point blame. He is a God who wants to restore every single thing that the devil has tried to destroy in your life. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful? We have a God who loves to forgive and restore and can make all things new. Come on, I think we ought to clap our hands and say a good amen. So what do we do with this? How, how do we do this? Well, uh, we can do- detox this area. And when God comes in, he begins to restore, cleanse, and, and forgive. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. This is a great verse. It says, repent. That just means turn around. Then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Don't you love that? That God doesn't say, well, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. When God forgives you, it's, it's permanent. He casts it, the Bible says, into the sea of forgetfulness. That's the, ability, the one thing God has the ability to do. He can forget sin. And then it says this, so that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Somebody say refreshing. Okay, watch this. Many of us want refreshing without repentance. Many of us want transformation without a turning. 
And what happens is we begin to feel like we can do this on our own, like it's not a big deal. And, and we're hitting the same wall over and over and over. And God is saying in his amazing love, hey, would you turn to me? Because when you turn to me, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wipe your sins clean. And I'm going to restore you. And a season of refreshing will come from the Lord. How do we do this? Well, First, first Thessalonians 4 tells us that each of you should learn to control your own body. Okay, look at me, everybody. We, we just have to learn this. We, we just have to learn it. We have to learn to control it. It might not some, be something that comes easily for us, but it's okay. The power of God, the Holy Spirit is in us. We can learn to control our own body. Watch this. In a way, in a way, not just based on how we think it needs to be controlled, but in a way that is holy, underline the word holy, and honorable. Not in passionate lusts like the pagans who don't know God. Like people who don't know God, they, there's not a rule there. There's not, a, there's not a boundary there. They can live however they want to. But for us, he's saying, I want you to live honorable. I want you to live holy, set apart for me. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Let me tell you how we do it. First of all, we turn to God. Secondly, God has a life-giving way out of our past. He, he, God is for you. He's not against you. Okay, please hear me when I say that. But here's the first way that we do this. Let me give you three ways that I think will be a blessing to us as we approach this in our life. And maybe you're not there today or tomorrow. Okay, but I've dreamt of a church where we can all come. We all have issues, but let's run together. Let's work through our issues together. So there's not a list of rules here. This is just, hey, God is is pointing us in this direction. Let's, Let's utilize that forgiveness and grace in our life. Number one, get away from it. Get away from it. What does that mean? Well, holy means to set apart, to separate from. So let's, let's literally and physically both separate ourselves from whatever that area, the toxin is. And many of us have lied to ourselves and told ourselves, I can't, I can't change. Um, I can't do it. And it's not true. God is with you. It could, could, could be a person at work. Maybe the, the lines are being blurred, and you know that's going to end up in a bad, toxic relationship. You know it's going to have you cross some boundaries. So what do we do? Well, you put up some healthy boundaries. Get in a small group, confess that to somebody, tell them, keep you accountable. If that doesn't work, you're saying, I, well, I've tried everything I could do. No, you can get another job. Well, Sean, it's the only one in town. You can move. Like, what if, what if we just all begin to believe that it's not worth it to destroy our life? It's not worth it to destroy our soul. Come on. That we can honestly surrender this part of our life to God. And, and honestly, if you, if you think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's not. They just painted it. It's not real green. So just water your own grass and watch God begin to bring fruit back into your life. And students, listen, as we go back, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. And I say this with all sympathy and empathy that when you go back to school or maybe you're in a toxic relationship right now and, and the Lord is kind of tapping your, sh- your shoulder and said, hey, that, that relationship's not submitted to me. You're like, well, how do I do it? I'm, I'm not even sure how to end it. What do I do? What do I do? Here's what, I, here's what you do. Take your phone out and, and text them. Right? Text us. It's over. It's over. Thumbs up. You say, but I like him. I, I know. I'm not saying it's easy. Remember, the detox process is hard. But if every time you're with him or with her, it's causing you to go against the standards of God's word and it's destroying your soul and your spirit, at some point, you got to make a decision. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Everyone say flee. flee. Okay, look at me, everybody. 
It's impossible to manage sin. The Bible doesn't say manage sin. It says run from it. Run, Forrest. Run. Many times we try to manage it and try to, we just do a little bit at a time. But what happens is we do a little bit and the next time we do a little bit more and the next time we do a little bit more and the devil is like luring us and to take more steps than we ever thought we would take. Don't, don't, don't manage it. Run from it. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Like this is a different level of sin, everybody. All the other sin, it, this affects you in a deeper way because it's so emotional, because it's so spiritual. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. Listen, you're not your own. You've been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your, with your bodies. Listen, many of us, we, we feel stuck. And I know that as Christ followers, um, maybe my, many of you aren't Christ followers here. And we're glad you're here. And some of you are like, Sean, whoa, slow your roll, man. Like, this is my first time. You talk like this all the time? No, but you just happen to come on a Sunday where we're talking about it. Listen, if you're not a Christ follower, you can live however you want to. You have that right. For those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, we don't have that right. Let me explain this. We accepted a deal. Where God came to us and said, see all the sin in your life? You're going to have to pay for that. Somebody's going to have to pay for that. And the only way that we can pay for sin is by going to hell and paying for our sin. By the way, sin, hell is not a place where God sends people he's mad at. Hell is a place where people go to pay for their sin if they want to. God comes along and says, I don't want you to pay for your sin. Let me pick up the bill. Let me get it. Let me get the bill. Let me get the bill. I'll forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll send my son Jesus to die for you. I'll clear you. I will make you right with me. Don't pay for your own sin. I want you to spend eternity with heaven. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, what has happened inside of us is that, that cleansing power. And we've accepted a deal. And it's been so good. And God says, there's one thing I require in return. I, you belong to me now. And so now we make decisions and we say, God, we don't always make them right. But we say, God, you, 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 you bought us. We're yours. Not because we have to, because we get to. You're not a child abuser. You, you have the best in mind for us. God, we're yours. Everything inside of us is yours. Salvation is what, what happens when we give the controls of our life to Jesus. And we back away and we say, God, it's up to you. And now I'm forgiven. Now we're reborn. Now we're restored. Now there's hope and healing that has flooded our soul. I'm telling you, when God said deal or no deal, I smashed my hand on that button so fast and said deal. And God, there's no other deal on planet Earth that's as good as this one. Where I can be free from my yesterdays, all the sin and the guilt and the shame of yesterday. Lord, you really are going to deal with it? You're really going to forget that? There's never another deal on planet. That's too good to pass up. So when we come to Jesus, we say, God, I belong to you. Number two, we need to guard our mind. Guard our minds. It all starts here. We're always thinking minimals. We, we think minimals all the time. Even like watching a movie. And I love watching movies, but you know how it is. People come to, me, come to me all the time and say, Sean, I can watch whatever movie I want to. Like, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. And uh, I could watch whatever movie. It could have whatever in it. And uh, it just didn't bother me. Like, I could play whatever game and any movie. It doesn't affect me at all. It doesn't bother me. 
Well, that's the problem. Like, it doesn't bother you. That's my point. And society has so systematically desensitized us to where it doesn't bother us anymore. It's like the kid who is asking his mom, begging his mom, please, mom, can I see this movie? I mean, it's a great movie. It just has this one small part. It's just one small part. It's not, I mean, it's, it's over like that. It's not even a big deal. But my friends have seen the movie. They want to come over and watch the movie. Please, mom, please, please say yes. Please say yes. Mom thought about it and said, okay, I'll let you rent the movie. You can watch it here. And I'll even make your favorite brownies. You're the best, mom. You're the best. Friends came over. She went in the backyard where the dog does its business. And she grabbed some, some poop. She brought the poop in, put it in the batter, and mixed it all in the batter. And then she made the brownies, and the kids were all excited, getting ready to sit down and watch the movie. And they come fighting for the brownies, and she looks at the kids and says, here are the brownies, kids. Help yourself. Hey, by the way, you should know, I, I went in the backyard, and I put a little bit of poop in there. Just a little bit. It's not that much, though. It's not that much. You're probably not going to taste it. It probably won't even bother you. It's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. How many know a little poop goes a long way? It affects a lot. And what happens is we're letting so much into our body, and then we're wondering why we're living the way we're living. It's affecting us more than we think it is. Turn and tell somebody, I ain't eating no brownies. Come on, tell them, I ain't, I ain't eating no brownies. Not today. Uh-uh. Matthew 6. The eye. Everyone say the eye. It's the lamp of the body. It's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body's full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body's full of darkness. If you're losing the battle, I guarantee you, it's start, you're losing it here. You're lo- I know from personal experience. We lose the battle with our eyes first. So where are you losing the battle? What are you looking at? What are, what are you en- being entertained by? Romans 8, 5 puts it this way. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. That's the problem. They're thinking about it. Start with the eyes, and now they're thinking about it. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about those things that please the Spirit. Like, the, it's, it starts with the eyes, works its way to the brain, and it's, the problem is we're thinking about it. Some people say, I fell into sin. Well, what does that even mean? We talk about falling into sin like it's a ditch. Like, we're walking down the street one day, and there's a banana peel, and all of a sudden we slip, and we're like, hey, how we get in here? I, I'm not even sure how I ended up here. No, you thought about it, you planned it, you worked your schedule around it, and, and we didn't fall into it, we walked into it willingly. Am I talking to anybody in the room? I'm preaching to me too. I mean, it's, it's all, this affects all of us, every one of us. It starts with what we see, it goes to what we think. Put this to the test. For the next six days, let's ask God to detox this area of our life because if the body, the body is, is, is sick, it's because our eyes are sick. It's because our ears are, we are sick. Test this and see if your body doesn't line up to what your eyes allow for the next six days. And this is not a list of rules. The Bible's not a list of rules. God's not up in heaven looking at you and just harping on all the stuff that he's doing wrong. Listen, he's giving you a better alternative. Chris Hodges puts it this way. Sin loses its attractiveness when you find something better. So as a pastor, as a church, we want to give you something better. That's why our growth track is so important. We had 116 people join last week. We have step two that's supposed to start in just a couple minutes. We're running a little behind because we played that video today, not because of the long preaching. But 
It's four new habits every Christian needs to be successful. You can jump into step two and, and, and start from there. I'm just telling you, everybody, God wants you free. Number three, go all in with God. Go all in with God. For some of us, it's like, you know, our relationship with God, our commitment to God is like the hokey pokey. You got your right foot in. I took my right foot out. I took my right foot in. Shake it all about. Do the hokey pokey. Turn myself around. That's what it's all about. It's not about that. It's about giving yourself entirely to him, to the one who has freed you from every past experience, the one who's given you hope and grace and forgiveness and acceptance. It's about guilt, going all in for Jesus and saying, God, take, take all of me, not just a part, not just some. Take it all because you're worthy of that. Go all in with God. And for those who, who find purpose and they're growing in God, it's not because they're following a set of rules. It's because they found their motivation. It's the love of God. Romans 6.13, our last verse. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument to evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves, here it is, completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You were dead, but now you have life. Do you remember that time before you came to know God? Do we really want to trade what we have now to go back there? Okay, so we may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. Keep going forward. And this is a process, okay? It's a process. And we're going to help you through our small groups, through our dream team. I want to help you connect to something that's bigger in your life. You know, the most disciplined people in the world are not the most disciplined people in the world. They're just people who have their eye on a prize. Like the Olympics. Michael Phelps last night, he's not the most disciplined person in the world. He does have his eye on a prize. He wants 23 gold medals. You can do this, and we want to help through our small groups and through our growth track. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God a thanks.